Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that your spirit is here. Lord, we sense your spirit and we're, we're here to worship. And Lord, I pray that our time together would bring you honor and glory. I pray that as we look at your word and study it, that we could be encouraged this morning. Lord, thank you for the examples that we have in Scripture. Just examples of, of life and how we are to live and how uh, we are to mimic you as you lived here on earth. And Lord, as we look at that this morning, I pray that we could be encouraged and that we um, would learn uh, from your life. Lord, I pray for the other um, congregations that are gathering together this morning. Lord, I pray for Elkhart Church. Be with Lyle as he preaches up there. Bless their service. I pray for the group in Belize, Nicaragua, just the different churches across the globe, Lord, that are gathering this morning. May you be honored and glorified through each of those services. Lord, I pray for those who aren't here this morning. I pray for our our youth men. Lord, I pray a blessing on them. I pray that you would uh, protect them and that as they worship you this morning, that they could also be uh, challenged in their walk with you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be together this morning. Uh, there are different ones that are gone. Lyle is up in Elkhart. Our youth men are uh, gone camping uh, this weekend. Uh, my sons and I had the uh, privilege of spending some time with them yesterday, so uh, enjoyed that. Had a lot of fun. Still wiping dust out of my eyes this morning, but uh, we did have an enjoyable time together. Have you ever gotten so busy um, doing something, either a project or maybe it's just your, your daily, the job that you're doing, that you forgot to stop and eat? How many of you have ever had that happen where suddenly you realize that, oh, it's it's one o'clock, it's two o'clock, and then you, you also, you have to make this decision. Am I going to eat lunch or just skip it? Well, I've had that. There's been times that, um, actually, there's been times I've come home and my wife says, well, why didn't you eat your lunch? And I said, well, I thought I did. And I forgot, or I maybe just ate part of it and thought I ate the rest of it and didn't. What happens when we do that? We're so focused on what we're doing, right, that that becomes second, it, it takes second place. Uh, we, don't, we don't even realize that we, we missed something. There's, there's something else that we're focused on that becomes greater value than eating our lunch. The title of the message this morning is, Too Busy to Eat Lunch. And no, this isn't a weight loss uh, message, but it is a message about our Christian lives and how we, how we live our Christian life. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 4. John chapter, chapter 4. We're going to go through um, part of this chapter. And as we go through this chapter, I want you... There's, this is the story about the woman at the well and how Jesus came and offered her living water. But as we go through this chapter, I want you to focus on on Jesus, on his, um, 
how he served, how he spoke to her, how he was a witness to her, how he explained salvation. And I want you to draw a, a parallel of how I might do that as I'm living my life, as I'm going about my daily routines and my job. How can I, how can I fit sharing the gospel with somebody? How can, I, how can I make that just part of my daily life like Jesus did in this story? And he did it so well. How can I do that? And so as we read through this chapter, that's what I want you to be thinking about. That's what I want you to be looking for. Beginning to read in verse 1, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed unto Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Now, Jesus was busy uh, baptizing and, and uh, helping baptize. He was teaching. He was serving the people. Now, I want you to, to observe something here. Jesus, it says, so he was in Judea. And I had to look on the map, too. I don't do well at, at picturing um, uh, a map and how it, how it was in, in Bible times. But if you look at a map... At the top of the map is Galilee, and there's a Jordan River coming down through here, and Judea is down south. Samaria is in between Judea, uh, Galilee, and Judea. And what they would typically do when they, when they traveled from Galilee down to Judea, or from G Judea up to Samaria, or to Galilee, they didn't want to go through Samaria. And so what they typically did is they, they went over to Jericho, went across the river, they would travel up around Samaria until they got to Galilee, then they would cross back over. And so Jesus is, is down here in Judea, and he's getting ready to go to Galilee. And there's, there's uh, several, there's different reasons why it said that he traveled, but one of it was, it's, it sounds like he's, he's leaving because there was some conflict. And as I, as I read this, this passage of scripture, I don't think Jesus was leaving to avoid the conflict of the people. I think he was leaving because it was affecting the effectiveness of his ministry. And that, that's different. I don't think Jesus was trying to avoid the people. But I think he, he realized that it's, it's, it's time to move on. There, is, there, is other, there are other people that he wanted to reach. And so he left. But instead of doing that typical travel route where you go over to, to Jericho and you cross the river, Jesus said, we're going to go right up through Samaria. And if you look on the uh, map, there was a main, a main road that went right, right up through Samaria. And that's where he traveled. So they traveled uh, north um, through Samaria. And this this journey from Judea to Galilee was about 125 miles approximately. So it would have probably taken them, I could have taken them most of a week to travel up there if they would have been traveling by foot. So let's continue on. Verse 5. It says, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So Jesus comes, and he 
comes to this well. And this morning, uh, children, I'm going to need your help, okay? We preachers need a lot of help, and I need you children to help me this morning. So this is, I need your help through the whole message. So any of you that are in classes in the back rooms, so about 14 on down, I'm going to need you to help. So you need to listen real carefully here. So Jesus is traveling, and he comes to this well, and it's about noon, approximately. And let's say it's in the middle of the summer. What is the temperature like in the middle of the summer? Any of you children, can you tell me? Let's say in July. Is it cold? What is it? It's hot. Okay, so let's say Jesus is traveling. He's walking. Maybe he's been traveling. Maybe he's been walking for two or three days, and it's hot, right? And what does what does this verse say? How did Jesus feel when he got there? He was hot, and also what else? He was tired. Now we have to put some. We have to. It, that's about all it tells us, right? It says he's tired, or he was weary. But if you had been traveling two or three days, you would be hot, you would be tired, and what else? Thirsty. Ready for a drink, right? Thirsty. And what else? Hungry, right? There's probably no McDonald's along the way where he could just stop and get food. So he's hot, he's tired. He's thirsty, and he's hungry, right? Okay, so throughout the message this morning, I'm going to say, and Jesus is, and then you children are going to say, tired, hot, thirsty, hungry. Okay? Can you say that with me? Tired, hot, thirsty, hungry. Again, tired, hot, thirsty, hungry. Hunger. Now, you're really quiet, okay? So we're going to have to, you guys can talk louder than this. So real loud, right? So everybody can hear. Ready? Tired, hot, thirsty. Good. One more time. Good. So you're going to remember that, right? Tired, hot, thirsty, and hungry. That's what Jesus was when he gets here. Now let's go on reading in verse 7. It says, There cometh a woman of Samaria... To draw water, Jesus saith, saith to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So Jesus comes, and he comes to this well, and he's thirsty, and he wants a drink, and he asks for a drink, and his disciples aren't there. Where are his disciples? Did you catch in the verse? Where did it say, where did his disciples go? Anyone? It, into the city. So they went to town to buy food, and they, I, I imagine Jesus had probably been tired of teaching the last week, and, and preaching, and, 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 serving people. And so I imagine that as the disciples, they got, got there, there was, I don't know, maybe there was a nice tree with some shade. And they said, Jesus, why don't you rest here? We're going to go to town and we're going to get some food. And so that's what they did. The disciples left 
And Jesus was staying there. And children, Jesus was... That's right. He was tired, hot, thirsty, and hungry. And so there was this lady that came out to the well, and Jesus asked her, he said, Is, could, could I have a drink of water? Could, could you draw a drink of water for me? He wanted some water. He was thirsty. And what was the woman's response? First of all, let's, let's look at what Jesus did. First of all, he made his need known. And he did this, I believe, to make a connection. I think everything that Jesus did, he did for a reason. Or the things that maybe came natural to him, he used those as a means to minister to people that were around him. And do you know, our life can be a lot the same if we pay attention. There are a lot of life happenings, a lot of routines, a lot of things that we do that we could make analogies, we could make, uh, we can make spiritual applications as a way of witnessing to other people. And let me just, for example, let me, let me give you an example. I in my occupation, I often, uh, I talk about weather a lot because it affects me. And I often have customers that say, well, how's, how's business? Are you busy? Well, typically, that, that is all determined, how busy I am is determined by the weather. And who determines the weather? There's nothing I can do about the weather, right? And I've tried to, and I don't near always do this, but I try to always point back to God. And, and I'm just, and when we get rain like we get last week, and somebody makes a comment about the rain, I try to, as often as I can, say, God has just blessed us with this rain. Or I'm so thankful that God uh, made it rain. And giving him, giving him the glory for what he did. Or when somebody asks, how's business going? Well, it's, it's because, because of the rain that God has provided that I have work to do. And so pointing back to things like that. And, and you can do the same thing no matter what you do. There are, there are little things in our lives that happen and that we do and that we can, we can use as a means to be a witness to people. And that's what Jesus did here. I think Jesus came and he was tired and, and he was thirsty. And as this woman came up, well, how do you make a how do you make a connection? Do you start talking about the weather? And he had a need. And, and so he just said, would you, mind, would you mind drawing some water for me? I'm thirsty. And that started a conversation. And I don't do that often enough. Yesterday, as my, my boys and I met the youth guys, uh, we, they were down at the Badlands, uh, for those of you who don't know what they were doing. They were riding ATVs. So we went down to join them. And when we parked, there was a group of three guys beside us. And I, I can tend to just, I usually figure, well, nobody wants to talk to me. They're, they're doing their thing and I'm doing mine. And we'll just, and so I can tend to, you know, just go about my, my business. And, and finally I thought, ah, the least I could do is say good morning. And so I said, good morning, guys. And, and we struck up a little conversation there. And, and later on, we met at the truck again. And they, they were having some issues with some equipment. And so they came over and, you know, we, we talked a little bit. And last night as we were loading up, they were loading up. And we chatted again. And so 
just reminded that I need to be purposeful in just being friendly to the people around me. Now, did I, did I have a, a chance to witness for the Lord and explain the way of salvation to him? I didn't. But I made a purpose. We were talking about being there. And I said, you know, I said, our, our youth guys from our church are here. And they have invited any of us men from church to come join them. And I said, I brought my boys today and that's why we're here. Oh, they said, you're going to have a lot of fun. And so I don't do that often enough. But what about you when you're in town? When you're sitting at Napa on the, on the stool and, and on the, the, they always have those bar stools there. And you're sitting there. Do you take opportunity to talk to the people around you? Do you take opportunity to interact and to talk about life and to, and to give God glory, whatever it is, somehow point them to Christ. That's what Jesus did. And so he made his need known. There are so many examples that we can take from that. And then in verse, let's, let's okay, so in verse 9, he, he makes his need known. And then, and then um, the lady that he asks says, well, why do you ask a drink of me? She says, you know, most times you, the Jews, they won't even talk to us people, us Samaritans. And then Jesus, in verse 10, it says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Jesus, you notice the transition that he makes there. First of all, he asks for his need. He needs a drink of water. And then he just, he just transitions from that, that need and he moves it right over to a spiritual need. I have need of water. But he right away transitions over to the spiritual water, right? And probably the lady thinks, well, now what's he talking about? So it, it piques her interest. It makes her, it makes her pay attention. She wonders, well, what's, what for living water is he talking about? So he makes that transition. Let's go to verse 11. The woman saith to him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? So the woman is, the wheels are turning in her mind, and she's wondering, well, how's he going to give me any water? He doesn't even have a bucket. In fact, he just asked me for a drink. So she's thinking about this. And in the middle of this, I don't know if he's gotten a drink yet either. And children, Jesus is very... Again. Okay, so he's tired, hot, thirsty, and hungry. And he's in the middle of this conversation with this lady, right? Do you think she's given him a drink yet? I don't know. It, it, it doesn't say... I'm assuming at some point she did, but it doesn't say that. And Jesus is still dialoguing with her. He's, he's making that transition from a physical need to a spiritual need. Verse 13, it says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. He's referring to the water in the well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst 
But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You know, Jesus begins to paint a picture of what this water is that he's offering to her. He begins to picture, paint a picture of, of fulfillment. In fact, he's, he's offering her salvation. He's offering something better to her. He's offering a change to her. And I wonder if she didn't start wondering, well, what, what is he really talking about? What is he actually trying to give me? What, what is he offering? You see, for myself, this is often where I stop the conversation when I'm talking to somebody. Too many times, this is where I stop. I've maybe made a comment about the weather and how it affected me. I've given God a little bit of glory. I say, well, I, I thank him for the rain. But now I have work to do. I've done my part. And Jesus takes the next, next step. And this takes time. This takes energy. And the thing that often makes it hard for me is, I don't know how long this conversation might have to last for me to really explain what I'm going to need to explain. But here's Jesus in a time of need, not fully, uh, not fully um, rested probably, having traveled, you, you know how we feel after traveling just in a vehicle for 14 hours. We can get a little bit cranky sometimes. And, and here's Jesus sitting at this well in the heat of the day, and he has these needs and he makes an analogy. He makes a, a picture. He, he makes his need known. Then he paints this picture of, of the water that he has to offer. And he takes it to the next step. And he's, he's, willing, he's willing to dialogue with this lady. He's willing to have that conversation. He's willing to take the time to explain what he means. He's willing to, to offer her something. Something that, that she's in desperate need of. Something that she maybe didn't, that morning when she went to the well, she maybe didn't even realize what she was missing. She maybe didn't even realize what, what was lacking in her life. But she was just going to the well to get water. And suddenly there's somebody there who's offering her something. Something that maybe she suddenly realizes that, you know what? That's, that's maybe what's missing. Maybe that's what's missing in my life. Jesus went the extra step. Let's go to verse 15. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. So the woman asks. She wants it. She's open. She opens an opportunity for Jesus. So first of all, he piques her interest. He draws that picture. And then the woman says, you know what? I would like to have that. And so she's asking, the, she's kind of in, in essence, she's asking the question, well, well, what is it that you have to offer? So now, there's an opportunity for Jesus. What's he going to do? Children, Jesus is... Right. Do you think he's going to say, 
Well, I'll tell you what. My disciples will be back just soon, and I'll have them tell you what I'm sharing with you. He doesn't. He dives right in. And I don't know, it was, if it would have been me, I'm not sure I would have been in the mood right then, but, but Jesus, he overcomes that. And he, he dives right in, begins to explain. Verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, go call thy husband and come thither. Oh my, oh my, he, not only does he explain, but now he, so he knows her past. And th- th- there's, this is baggage. There's a lot of baggage in this history. And he knows that. So sometimes we meet people and we know some history from them. And I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I'm like, how can we just keep this pretty basic? Can we just talk a little bit about the weather and I'll ask them a little bit about their family and then I'm going to, I'll move right on because I, I know there's this, there's a bunch of baggage here and I really don't have time and I don't feel like going into that. I don't, I don't know if, if that's how you find it, but too often... That's how I am. Because it takes energy. Those of you who have entered that, you know that it takes time and it takes energy. And see, I might have to suddenly change my plans for the day because there's a need here. And suddenly I have to change my list for the day. Sometimes it, it, it may just take a half hour out of my day. It, sometimes it may just take an hour to sit down and hear somebody. But too often, I'm tired and I'm hungry and I'm hot. And I don't have time. Jesus dives right in and he says, why don't you bring your husband and we'll talk about this. Fully knowing where this is going to go. He knew this was going to take this conversation deeper. He knew this was going to take time. He acknowledges her story. He gets in the middle of the dirt. He gets in the middle of the hard stuff. And in verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband, in that saidst thou truly. Let's notice something here. Jesus knew that history. He knew that she had more than one husband. He was willing to go there. The second thing he did was that he didn't avoid that. He didn't avoid that fact. He didn't say, well, if, you know, I know she shouldn't be on husband number four or husband number five. I know she shouldn't be there, so I don't want to offend her. So I'm not going to mention that, but I'll just, I'll maybe someday I'll have the opportunity to point that out. But I, I find it interesting that Jesus lovingly says, you know, What you say is true. You don't have one husband because you've had more than one husband. And I think we can learn something from that. Our society around us has has taught us, has trained us to stay out of the mud. They've taught us to, to not speak truth. And I think we need to be very 
gentle. But I think we should, in a loving way, speak truth. And not in a condemning way, but, but we should stand up for what's true and what's right. And the people that we interact with should know where we stand. And I think we should pray that the Holy Spirit would give us opportunity, would give us, help us to know when is the right time. I, and I think we should be sensitive to that. Don't get me wrong. But I think we should speak the truth. And that's what Jesus did. He was compassion. Com he had compassion, but he was truthful. Verse 19, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So this woman shares with Jesus what she knows about worship. First of all, she makes a statement, I, I wonder, if, are you maybe a prophet? And then she shares, shares with Jesus what she knows about worship. Uh, she challenges him just a little bit. Now, now you say that we should go to Jerusalem to worship, but our fathers... They worshiped right here. And so she challenges, she challenges, challenges him a little bit. I don't think she's feeling condemned. But she's also not ignorant. And in maybe some ways she's playing a little bit, she's playing the game of, of less than. So maybe she's trying to uh, defer a little bit. And so she changes the subject and talks about worship. It kind of makes it sound like, you know, I'm, I'm probably not good enough for you. You say you sh that we should worship in Jerusalem, but we worship here. And I'm probably just not going to meet up to your standards. And Jesus could have changed the subject right then, but he didn't. And let's not forget, they're still at the well, and the sun is still high. And children, Jesus is... Good, good. We're getting weaker, okay? So children, we're going to have to speak up a little bit. He's still tired, hot, thirsty, and hungry. And what does Jesus do to her reply? He jumps right in. Verse 21, he says, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Jesus gets, gets right in there to this discussion. And he says, you know what? We're all going to one worship someday. And it's important, it's more important who we worship than it is where we worship. And so he takes her comment that she made to, it seems like, to maybe kind of defer him. And he just, he picks right up on it and says, you know what? Someday we're all going to worship. Someday we're all going to worship. And what's more important is that you know who you worship rather than where you worship. He uses her words. He uses the subject matter that she gave and nicely brings her right back and makes her start thinking about eternity. And immediately she has to think, oh, who do I worship? What is my focus? Rather than getting into a conflict about where we worship, is it here, is it there, is it 
Is it important, is it important exactly how it happens? So he, he, he uses that and, and um, draws, her, draws her in and uses it for a, a way to teach. Verse 25. The woman saith unto him, I know, what that, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Jesus. When he is come, he will tell us all things. So she states that she knows there's a Messiah coming, right? And when he comes, he's going to tell us all things. And Jesus, in verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I, I that speak unto thee am he. I that speak unto thee am he. So he, re- he reveals who he is to her. Now she knows, oh, this man says that he is a Messiah. This man's saying that he is that person. Now, there's an a interesting transition here of Jesus and, um, and the disciples. If you remember, the disciples are in town, and they are, are finding food for them to share together. And now it says that the disciples are returning. And let's go to that verse. It says in verse 27, And upon this, his disciples... And upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man saith, What seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? And so the disciples came back, and they find Jesus sitting there. And children, Jesus is? Good. Good. So the disciples left and went to town to find food, right? And now they come back, and here's Jesus, and they find him in this conversation with this lady. And they didn't question it. It says that they didn't ask about it, because it would have been probably not very proper for a lone man and woman to be uh, sitting there and talking. But let's go on to verse 28. It says, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. So this woman, after having this talk with Jesus, it says she left and she told others. She was amazed at what she had heard. It says she couldn't believe that he knew her story. And she says, I met Jesus, in essence. She said, I met this man who told me who I am. And he, he knew my history. She testified that she had met Jesus. And, and I wonder if in our, in our relating to people, when we're going about our day-to-day thing, if, if, if this could be one of the strongest the most effective ways to point people to Christ is to do what that woman did, is to go and share her story. See, she took what had just happened and she went to town and said, you wouldn't believe what just happened to me. I was out at the well. This man came. We started talking. He knew my history. He knew everything I had ever done. Not only that, He asked for a drink of water, and I'm assuming at some point she gave him water. It doesn't really say, but I'm assuming she did. 
But he asked for water, and then he offered me water. And you wouldn't believe, and it wasn't just regular water. He gave me something different. He's, he's saying that there's, something, there's some kind of water that, that if I would have it, I would never thirst again. She shared her story. Is that scary? Do you have a story? What's your story? Do you have a story of change? Is there something that has happened? Is there something evident in your life that shows that something has changed? That there was, there was normal life until at this point, I met Christ. I met Jesus. I have something different. There's something new. There's something coming out of me. There's something different. The things I used to do, I was there. But something has changed. There's something inside of me that, that has joy. There's something inside of me that has life because there's been a change. Folks, when, when God gets a hold of our life, when there's something different, we have a story. And I think too often we, we, we're so embarrassed or, or we think, well, nobody cares about our story or, or we try to forget our history or we, we would just rather, well, we're focused this way or now. I'm so heavenly focused that I'm, I'm not going to. But that, that is such a tool that we have that as we sit with people, let me ask this. When you sit with somebody, what do you like, what do you like to, what feels good to you when, when you're not doing well? Is it for them to tell you how, oh, I'm just, I'm so focused and I, I'm doing so well and, and, and God has just, he's just really changed me. Is, is that what, is that what enthuses you for change? Or does it sometimes feel good when somebody says, you know what, what you're feeling, I've been there. I've experienced some of the same things, and those are hard. And here's, here's how God changed, began to change my heart. And we can start, start to share things with them. But I think too often, we as Mennonites, and I'm just going to call us out, we at Sandy Ridge, personally, I too often don't think about my story. And I think it would be healthy for all of us to, I don't know, write it out. What is our story? What has God done in my life? What has he changed? What was I and who am I now? And that should be fresh in our minds that we can use that as a tool to share with other people. Such an effective way to witness. That's exactly what this lady did. She went to town and she said, you wouldn't believe what just happened to me and what he said. And what has changed? And I think there was, I think there was a, something was different in her because it compelled those from town. It says, and the men, the men all came out to the well. They wanted to see, well, who is this man? What happened? Because something had happened in her life. There, she was a different lady. I think everybody knew her history. And now something has changed. And they, they're saying, hmm, wonder what happened. Wonder who that man is. And so they go out to talk to Jesus. Is your story compelling enough to make people come out of town? Is there enough evidence of change that people want to go to the well? We need to keep moving. Let's go on to verse 31. Here's where it gets interesting. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. So here come the disciples. They have some lunch now and they say, Okay, Jesus, it's time to eat. And children, Jesus is 
right. And now the disciples have food. They went to town. They did their part as the disciples, as the helpers, and they brought the food. And so here they are, and they say, Jesus, come and eat. They invite him to eat. In verse 32, but he saith unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. In our way of saying it, it would be the disciples came and they, they brought the food and they say, hey, hey, Jesus, come quick. It's, it's 1.30 now. We, we, we need to eat lunch. We have food here. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm not even really hungry. Can you imagine the disciples? Here they put all this effort into, they went to town, they, they brought this food, they come back to the well, and there's Jesus talking with this woman, and now he says, you know what? I'm not even hungry. In fact, he says, I've had meat that you don't know of. If I'd be a disciple, I'd be a little bit, here we did our job, Jesus, and now you don't want to eat. Verse 33 And the disciples were confused, I think. It says, therefore said the disciples one to another. They started talking. Hath any man brought him aught to eat? So now they're trying to figure out, well, who brought him food that he says he's not hungry? They had went to food. They bought it. They went to town to buy food. They had put effort into bringing it. And now he says he doesn't even need it. And then Jesus explains his lack of needing food. In verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus is explaining his life purpose, his mission on earth. The reason he's here for these years living on the earth. And he explains to them, he says, This is my passion. This is what fills me. This is what my vision and focus is, is to finish God's work. It's to finish the work that God started. It's to to honor and glorify my Father. And that's what I'm so focused on that my my earthly, that my my fleshly desire, that that my, just the need for food and, and water sometimes takes second nature because I'm so focused on doing the will of my Father. I'm so focused on serving others around me. But had he actually ate any food? Children, what was Jesus? But he had forgotten about it. He forgot about it. He didn't remember that he was, he was so busy in the middle of sharing with this lady that he forgot his physical needs. Verse 35, it says, Then saith he, There are yet four months, then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Brings in another interesting um, analogy here, and that is harvest. So if we use his comparison to our life today, this would have maybe happened in June. And he says, you know, right after planting season, where our our farmers uh, plant the seeds. And he says, you know what? He said, you don't even think it's harvest time. He said, you would say that there's still four months to harvest, to September, October when we harvest, harvest. And he's making comparison here, right? But he says, actually the fields are ready for harvest. 
And he's referring to people. He's referring to people that need Christ. And too often, I make the decision when that harvest is ready. I, I tend to say, well, they're, they're not ready to hear what, they're not ready to hear salvation, or they're not ready to hear what Christ can do for them. And Jesus is saying, there are so many people around me that are open to hearing that. They're, the, the, the harvest is ready. The people are ready to hear. But you need to harvest. You need to plant that seed. And he continues on that with that analogy, that picture that he, he draws for them. In verse, um, let's go to verse 36. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. So there are two important parts of farming, and that is planting. And there's, there's absolutely no, if all we do is plant, um, things will grow, but it doesn't really benefit us, right? And so the important part is we plant and then there is a harvest. That's the realization of the production from the planting. And so we need to do both of those. But too often, we don't do any of those. I'm not a planter and I'm not a harvester. And I think Jesus points that out in this scripture that there are different parts to his farm. And there's planting and there's harvesting. And he's, he's making that comparison to how we relate to the people around us. And I think we can look at that even here at church. There are some of you who do well at planting. You plant the seed. Uh, you, you, you do like Jesus does here at the well. And you, in conversations, you plant the seed. And then maybe years later, there's somebody else that comes along and somebody now harvests and they lead the person to Christ. And they take that final step to say, yes, I want to follow Christ. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Those, both of those parts are so important. The planting is not more important than the harvest, but it has to happen for the harvest to happen. And I, I think we should, we should focus on both of those. We should be planting and we should be harvesting. And one of the things that he doesn't mention in this scripture, but I think is, is also important, is the time in between there. There's a long time in between there when the, when the farmer plants, and then he harvests. And there's a, whole, there's a lot of months in there. Planting is what? What does it take, John? A month? A good, in a good year to plant? And what about harvest in the fall? How long does it take? A month with good weather? And in between there... Four months, approximately. So there's that long span in between there. And that's what I get weary of, honestly. That's what I get weary of is the, the four months. It's, it's the weeding. It's the watching for disease in the harvest, in, uh, in the crop. It's spraying for, insecticide, for uh, insects. It's, it's, it's all of that. And the same is true in, in a spiritual sense. Sometimes there is a seed planted in somebody's life, but before they actually come to Christ, there's a long period in between there of waiting, feeding, fertilizing, walking with them. And I get weary of that sometime, sometimes. And Jesus is pointing out to his disciples the importance of that whole process, the planting and the harvest, 
and the in-between. You know, I think we are all called to be farmers in our Father's field. And sometimes, children, we're going to change it a little bit, okay? Sometimes we are tired. Yeah. Sometimes that's how we are. That's how I am. I'm just tired. Just let me sit in the shade. Just give me a drink. I could just use some rest. But God is calling us to continue planting, harvesting, everything that's in between. And we do that to the people that are around us, the people that need. There are people in here that need that. There are people in here who need encouragement. They're on the journey and they need encouragement. Can we be that person? Can we be the person who pursues others and encourages them? What are you called to do? Are you called to plant? Are you called to feed in the middle? Are you called to harvest? And I wonder, do you ever get so busy doing that that you forget to eat your lunch? Do you ever find yourself so taken up with serving the people around you that you forget to eat your lunch? Do you find yourself being so full because it's so rewarding to serve the people around you that it's, it's so exciting to share your story that at the end of the day you say, you know what? I forgot to eat lunch. Yeah, I'm hungry. But that was, that was such a blessing. That was so exciting to share with them what God has done for me. I, I'm so filled. I'm, I'm so... There's, not only do, do people that we serve receive a reward, but I think it's filling. It's exactly like Jesus said. I'm so full of meat, he says, and you don't understand the meat that I'm experiencing. Is that what you experience? Is that how you live your life? Do you forget to eat your lunch? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning. Lord, thank you for the story of the woman at the well. Lord, thank you for Christ and what he's done in our hearts and lives. Lord, I pray that we would uh, use our own stories to be a witness for you. Lord, may we be a light to others around us. May you receive all the honor and glory. And I pray, Lord, that we would get so kingdom focused, so focused on serving the needs around us, that that would become our passion and our, our drive and our desire is to bring others to Christ and to walk with them and to shepherd them. And Lord, I pray that you would just give each one of us a... a um, Help us to purpose in our lives to do that to the people that you bring into our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.